Welcome to the Christ Church Irving Podcast with Pastors Keith Luttrell and Greg Beecham. More information about our church, including service times and location, can be found at our website, ChristChurchIrving.com. Well, good morning, church. I'm Keith. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Church, and this is my wife, Betsy, and uh, we're in a the fourth week of a four-week series called The Family Fix. If you're joining us online, we're glad to have you with us as well. Thank you for sharing your morning uh, with us. And our hope for you, as well as for everyone in this room, is that we will all have an encounter with God, an experience with Him. We have loved doing this series on the family. Uh, if you recall, in week one, uh, Betsy had this, this fabulous idea that we could, maybe if I could fix something around the house every week, I could stand in front of you and share with you what I had fixed. <laughs> now, we all know what she's up to, right? <laughs> and so I had something every week. And so this past week, uh, I have I fixed a ceiling fan all by myself. <laughs> uh, applause is warranted. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second thing I want to share with you is that I am so glad this series ends today because I am tired of fixing stuff. <laughs> yeah, so to just recap, um, when it comes to interpersonal relationships, when it comes to marriages and parenting, we don't get a free pass on fixing things. Even though Keith and I are not fix-it type of people, we don't get a free pass. We have to work on this thing. That was week one. Week two, we said, you know, whenever you contribute to the success of something, whenever you actually do work on things and then success happens, that does bring about long-term happiness. So living happily ever after, you're going to have to work on that. And then week three, we said, you know, there sometimes are some things that are just bigger than the two of us. And if that happens, then it's okay to call in the professionals. That's a sign of strength and not weakness. If you've got to seek counseling, we encourage you to do that. And then today, today's topic is the me fix, fixing myself, fixing me. And this encouragement for today is just don't ever give up. Just like that pesky ceiling fan that sometimes gets a little wonky or um, needs some whatever that word is, uh, straightening or balancing. balancing. Yeah. I'm kind of the fix it guy. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, it always has that little chain that hits the light fixture and just can ding, 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 you know, just drives you crazy. But sometimes there's things in our personalities or in our lives that just need some tweaking, that just needs a little bit of fixing. And we just don't, we just can't give up on that. We just need to continue to work on ourselves as well. But whenever we do work on ourselves and we do give ourselves some self-care, whenever we are more aware of ourselves, there's some positive things that come from that. We, um, it produces positive feelings, number one. It also gives us a boost of confidence and self-esteem. It reduces the negative effects of stress whenever we take self-care. And our bodies basically are like cars. They need to be fueled. I can tell you the times when Keith and I have our biggest arguments, it's usually whenever we're both exhausted. We had one this week, Thursday night. It was after a long February of working and doing these sermons together. And it was just one of those blow-up nights. But it was because we were exhausted. And we needed to take some time out and, 
and that that helps. So, anyways, taking care of yourself—that's one thing that we're going to work on today. Yeah, and just to clear the air, you apologized, and it was over. So yeah. that's kind of how that <laughs> Thursday night ended. Uh, yeah. So the the family fix begins with you. It begins with you. It begins with me. And so that's why I wanted to talk about the me fix. And the very first thing that you need to do is to heal your hurt. You need to heal your hurt. And the challenge to this is that all of us have been hurt. We all have wounds and we have all wounded other people. We have all hurt others in our relationships. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. He says, don't be surprised at these fiery ordeals, not just ordeals, but fiery ordeals. And in the early church, why this had so much meaning is that at this time, Nero is the king in Rome. And he is actually burning Christians. He is setting them on fire. So when he says, don't be surprised when you face these fiery ordeals, that had special meaning to, to the early church. And so uh, Christians were dispersed all over Rome. God used that to spread his gospel and just wanted them to know and us to know that to know Jesus is to know suffering. To know life is to know that there's just kind of this hurt that goes on in life, this pain. And healing is not going to occur until you identify what your past hurt is and why you experienced it. And what behaviors that has led to in your life. That's when healing is, is going to come up. Is whenever we're able to go back into other relationships. And I believe that every relationship is an opportunity for us to find hurts and to heal and mend those wounds. One of the things that we know is true. We know that hurt people hurt people. And all of us have been hurt. Uh, for some of you, uh, you trusted someone and they let you down. And so you don't know if you ever want to trust again. For some of you, you had an expectation that went unmet. For years. And so you're thinking, well, maybe I should lower the bar. For some of you, your wound is fear. The fear of love. You tried it once and they broke up with you. And so you're afraid to ever love again. Or the fear of the future. You don't know what that holds. Or the fear of failure. You know, what if we don't make it? For some of you, your wound is the fact that your mom and dad didn't make it in their marriage. And so you're just wondering, the demise of their marriage, am I going to be repeating that behavior? And you've got to identify what that wound is and then heal that hurt. Because if you don't, hurt people will continue to hurt those people, even ones that we love. But if you will heal that hurt, that healing leads to health in our current relationships. I'll give you one example. That's a, it's a small example from my own life about uh, a way I was behaving due to a hurt that I had in my past or that I have in my past. The other day I called Betsy and I told her that I was going to be a little bit late coming home from work because I was going to stop off at the grocery store. She responded by saying, great, we need these three items at the grocery store. Can you also pick up lettuce, limes, and tuna fish? 
Simple request. No big deal, right? I'm going to the place anyway. I am going to Kroger. It'll take me about a minute and a half more to pick up her three items on top of mine. It was a reasonable, simple request that she made. Yep. <laughs> my, my response was a pause. And then, okay. A pause, and then, okay. And she responded to that by saying, well, I can pick the stuff up if I need to. The way I said okay, and my tone of voice, and the pause, all that grouped together, communicated to her a message that said, and it was a message I was trying to send. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Here we go again. You're adding more stuff to my list. I guess I'm going to have to bear this cross too. I made the bed this morning. That wasn't enough. I'm cooking dinner tonight. That's not enough. Now I've got to go by the grocery store and pick up your items. In fact, I mm -hmm. bet you've been waiting for me to call all day long, letting you know I'm going to the store so that then you can announce your little store list so that I can go <laughs> by and pick everything up. Yep. <laughs> That's just silly behavior on my part. Why would I jump there? Why would I go to that place? And I don't want to overanalyze it, but I can tell you that it's, it's been a pattern in my life of, of having to heal this hurt. Uh, back whenever I was in first grade, there were two boys. There were two boys that picked on me. And I just, I just thought that everybody was supposed to be nice. And it turns out not everybody in this world is nice. And these two boys picked on me, and my mom knew she needed to toughen Keith up. And so she gave me some skills to use so that those boys would stop picking on me. And she told me, Keith, you don't ever let anybody take advantage of you. And those words have stuck in my heart and in my head my entire life. And it was great advice in those boys picking on me because they stopped picking on me. But I can't take that and use it in my relationship with Betsy because it hurts rather than helps. I can't pause and say, okay, wanting to hurt her because I think she's taking advantage of me. And so I, now I figured it out. I'm not going to pause. I'm going to say, okay. I'm going to say, yeah, if you find out more items you want, just text them to me and I'll get all your stuff and I'll bring it home. And if I get home and you think it's something the last minute, I'll go back to the store and pick it up too. <laughs> but you've got, you have to find out what that hurt is. And I know, I know that that is a small, it, it is a very real hurt, okay? But I know that's a small hurt compared to what many of you have gone through in your life. Some of you have large wounds, and there was infidelity in your family, and that hurt you. And there was abandonment in your family. You had a parent that left you at an early age, and that hurt you. You can't trust anybody. Or you had abuse in your family, and, and that continues to haunt and hurt you. So you have to commit to healing that hurt, because when you do, that's what brings health to the relationship. And the second thing is you have to start raising your awareness, raising your awareness of yourself and also of the situation that you're in, the conflict that you're in. But by raising self-awareness, it does several things. Number one, it cultivates empathy. 
The more you know about yourself and your feelings and why you're feeling a certain way helps the relationship. We started at a very early age trying to teach our kids, and a lot of you probably have done the same thing. Use your words. Use your words. Try to explain to me what you're feeling. Are you angry? Are you frustrated? Are you disappointed? Are you um, anxious? You know, what exactly are you feeling right now? And trying to help them describe for them these feelings and why they're feeling this way so that they can then communicate to us what they're feeling. You have to be able to do that in relationships because that's what's going to help heal and have healthy relationships. We talked about in week one about listening to each other and the importance of listening. And here's why having self-awareness helps you in, in listening. Whenever you're able to effectively communicate, I feel this way. Here's what I'm going through. Here's what I'm feeling. Then that helps your spouse understand you more. The more you feel understood, then you drop your guard and then you're able to understand them. So that's how listening works. Until you feel completely understood by them, you're going to keep having your guard up and you're going to keep trying to get your point across to them. But, until, but then when they finally understand you, then you're able to let your guard down and you're able to listen to their point of view. So it allows and it cultivates empathy. And empathy is huge in relationships. It is huge. Being able to walk in their shoes, being able to hear from their perspective, see things how they see things. We're never going to get it 100% right because we don't see things eye to eye. But the more we can understand where they're coming from, it helps in communication. It helps in conflict. So being self-aware of why you feel that way and putting those words. It's interesting to me, the more people that we we, um, that we counsel with, we really do have to say, you've got to like, Google these emotions. You've got to know how, what, they, what they are and what gets you to those places and know how to get yourself out of those places. So know exactly why you feel and be able to communicate that. The second thing it does is it allows for course correction. This is huge too. And this is what I find myself doing most of the time. It allows for course correction. So you're in conflict, okay? You're in conflict with your spouse. And all of a sudden, you're being more self-aware and you're starting to listen to yourself and what exactly it is that you're saying. And you're, you become more self-aware. And then you're able to say, hold, hold on just a minute, just a minute. I didn't even mean what I just said. I don't even know why I even said it. And then you're able to think back and think, okay, wait, did I get enough sleep last night? Is my hip hurting? <laughs> Am I hungry? What's going on? Because most of the time on any given morning, I, my feet hit the ground and I start going. I mean, I say 3,000 more words than he does anyway. So I'm just start talking and I'm just talking. And most of the time, unfortunately, it's negative. I have a critical eye. I see things that he doesn't see. I see the spots on the wall. I see that the lampshade is askew. I see these things and I point them out to him. I just, I just point them out. And he's thinking, here I go again. I've got to go fix this. I've got to go you know, do whatever. And I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just communicating. But there's times when I have to say, wait a minute. I don't even know why I'm even saying that, Keith. It has nothing to do with you at all whatsoever. I'm just, I'm just not feeling good. I need to go. I need to take some time out. So being more self-aware and listening to yourself in the middle of conflict allows you to course correct. And the third thing that it does is that it allows you to 
know your own needs. When you're self-aware, it allows you to take time out. It allows you to take time to hit your knees in prayer and say, God, I really need an extra supply of your Holy Spirit today. It allows you to schedule that massage or that pedicure or whatever, it, whatever you need so that you can be whole again, so that you can fuel back up to be able to be in this relationship and be healthy and whole and to take some time out so that you can be what he needs you to be. And then the third thing for improving yourself is you've got to trust your God. And you've got to place him in the right position in your life. This was huge for us as well. When we first got married, um, within the first year, we moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and it was eight, eight wonderful years. We really loved it. And, but when I say we leaved and cleaved, I mean, we, we left everybody, and it was just the two of us going. And it was so wonderful in so many ways for that because, I mean, it was such a, a great thing for our marriage. We found fast friends, but for the most part, it was the two of us doing everything together. We went to movies together. We went shopping together. He was my pastor. He was my husband. He was my best friend. He was everything to me. And that was great. And I loved all of that, except that he was everything to me. I mean, I didn't make a move without him knowing it. He didn't make a move without me, me knowing it. And we, we really relied on each other. I relied on him for my self-esteem. I relied on him for my self-confidence. I relied on him for everything. And then we, we had our kids there. Life got busy. Life got stressful. We moved back to Texas. Now we're in a new church. We're in a new home. We're in a new place. And life just started happening. And it got really, really busy. And we kind of lost each other in all of this. And all of a sudden, I was just not feeling it. I was feeling weird. And he wasn't making me happy. And I wasn't happy. And it was like, not good. So around year 10, we had a trip planned. And we went to Hawaii. And... Um, it was during that time that I was reading the book by Max Licato called The Great House of God. And if you ever get the chance to read it, you need to read it. And it's about God being our dwelling place. That in him we dwell. We live in him. That his grace is our roof and his strength is our walls. And he is our firm foundation and he's everything. Like we live, eat, breathe everything in God. That he is our life, not just on Sundays, but we live in God. And I'm reading this book, and I am surrounded by this creation all at the same time. This creation that I saw colors in the sunset that I'd never seen before. I saw fish that were iridescent fish that I'd never seen before. This water, this, these ocean waves, these grains of sand, the, these flowers, just this. We drove up to the top of Haleakala and we were there before the sun rose. And we really did see for the first time the sun coming through the clouds. For the, the burst of the sun, for the very first time, it was breathtaking. It was gorgeous. Pineapples, I mean, amazing. And I was reading in this book.
that if I were the only one on this earth, that God would create it all for me. He would create it all just for you. That's how his enormous his love is for you. That's how much he wants you to dwell in him. That's where he wants to be in your heart. That's who he wants to be with you. And I came home and I said, I'm releasing you. You're no longer my God. You're my husband. You're my lover. You're my best friend. But my self-esteem comes from him. My confidence comes from him. My foundation is in him. My everything is in him. And I released him and I freed him up to just being my husband. And that changed everything. So until you're able to heal yourself and you're able to put God in the right place and position yourself in him, none of this is really going to work, guys. You've got to put him first. He's got to be number one in your life. Yeah, so you have to trust in God. Psalm 46 and verse 1 says that God is my strength and my refuge. He is my ever-present help in time of need or trouble. He's my ever-present help. So he has to be number one. What that means is that Tom Cruise is wrong. <laughs> when he told Renee Zellweger, you complete me, that's not possible because human beings can't complete a person. Only God can complete us. And the missing link that some of you are having right now in your life is not that your marriage isn't good or your career's not good or your finances aren't good. The reason why you still feel empty even though things are good in your life is because you don't have God as a part of your life to complete you. Can you, can you give that sign language? Yeah. So there's, there's a beautiful sign in sign language that is really my favorite sign. And it's the word perfect or made whole or made complete. And it's this sign right here. It's perfect. And it's what happens whenever we search and we search. And we're just searching all around for happiness all around the world. And then finally, our life aligns with God and boom. It's perfect. We search for everything around, but no, once we find him, it's just perfect. I love that sign. Yeah, so, so trusting in God has been essential in our family. Uh, and I remember a time where we were going through a stretch, and it was a pretty rough stretch for us. It wasn't that we were at each other's throats. It was uh, some external stuff, and I was going to have to change jobs, and it was going to impact my family and my kids. And Betsy and I uh, knew that we had to tell our kids because they were going to be impacted. And so we set them down in the living room and we shared with them everything that was going on. And they had questions and we tried to answer them as best we could. And, you know, tears were shed. And at the very end, our son Lane, who uh, he was 10 years old at the time, Lane said, well, I guess the only thing we can do about this is pray to God about it. And Lane led our family in prayer. And he led our family into the place where we knew we should be. And that is sometimes... All you can do is trust in God. And here's what you need to know about God this morning. God is not through with you yet. God is not through with your spouse yet. God is not through with your children yet. God is not through with your family yet. Paul Morphy in 1888 was the national chess champion. He was going to Richmond, Virginia to have dinner with the Reverend R.R. R. Harrison. 
when he got to the reverend's house, he sat down at a table and they were sharing a meal and he was sitting across from the reverend and he kept looking over Harrison's shoulder at a painting that was hanging on the wall. The painting was a portrait of the devil playing chess with an angel. And by all appearances, the devil had him at checkmate. I mean, all the players were off the board. And he was just was studying this painting. And Harrison finally said, what are you staring at? He said, I'm looking at that painting behind you. He said, what about it? And uh, Morphe said, I think if I could take the angel's place, I could win that game. And Harrison said, there's no way. I know you're a champion, but you're not going to be able to win uh, that game. He said, no, I think I can. So they got a real chessboard out, put it on the table, put all the pieces in the place exactly like they were in the painting. And Paul Morphy studied it a bit. And Morphy noticed something that nobody else had. That although the painter had it look like it was a checkmate, in reality it wasn't because Morphy knew that as long as a king is on the board, there's still one more move left. And as long as the king is in your heart, there is still one more move left. God still has one more move left in your marriage. He still has one more move left in your parenting. He still has one more move left in, in your family. He will always have one more move left. One of my favorite authors is Dallas Willard. He said, God's address is at the end of your rope. That when you get to the end of your rope, you need to know God lives there. And God's not done with you yet. So let's go to him in prayer. And then Gray's going to come and uh, share a little bit more direction for us. God, we love you. I love you with all of my heart. And everything that... My marriage, myself, my family has is a gift given from you to us. Thank you for loving us and caring for us. Thank you for, thank you for not letting any of us leave today without change taking place in our hearts and in our lives. We give you praise for that. And it's in your son's name that we all pray together, church. Amen. 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 <laughs>